to From Believing to Being, a podcast about pursuing meaningful spirituality after faith deconstruction. We're your hosts. I'm Karen. And I'm Dave. We're two former evangelicals having an ongoing conversation about what life and spirituality look like after letting go of our religious beliefs. Join us as we discuss deconstruction, Christianity, mysticism, enlightenment, and consciousness, And most importantly, how to experience this new way of being in the midst of parenting, careers, and going about our everyday lives. If you've recently left your faith or simply feeling pulled into a deeper way of being, we hope this podcast will encourage and inspire you and really just reassure you that you're not alone on this journey. Hey, everybody. Karen is actually out this week. So this episode will be a little bit different. If you've been listening to our previous episodes, you probably have a little bit of a sense uh, of our own stories and some of the components of our journeys. But I thought this episode might be helpful to hear just a little bit more about my story and how I've gotten to where I am today. Now, if I were to pick one word to describe my story, my spiritual journey, it would be Kint Suji. And I'll say that again, Kint Suji. Feel free to pause and, and look this up if you want to, or I will describe it for you. Uh, Kint Suji is a Japanese term, and basically what it represents is um, a situation where a work of pottery is broken, and rather than just discarded as some broken pottery, it is repaired with gold and it is widely believed that that repaired piece of pottery is is more beautiful than it would have been if it had not been broken it's just something that i've always resonated with so much Um, throughout my entire life i've had several notable breaking points hardships that i've encountered um, things like family altercations substance abuse, mental health struggles, things like dating life, theological struggles, and struggles with my church. And through these kind of experiences, although they've been painful, they've almost every single time resulted in a fundamental peace that comes from within that really would be best described as this word equanimity. Um, And just to define that, if if that's a, a word you're unfamiliar with, it is a state of psychological stability and composure, which is undisturbed by experience or exposure to emotions, pain, or other phenomena that may cause others to lose the balance of their mind. And yeah, that's, that's really been my experience through so many of these situations in life that have been difficult. Um, I, I've continually found that that peace and equanimity underneath. So as you know, one of the goals of this podcast is to provide encouragement and inspiration for others on their spiritual journey. And so I imagine that virtually everyone listening can relate to some of this that I'm sharing, whether it's, you know, family, relationship challenges, or mental health, or You know, if you're listening to this podcast, there might very well be theological challenges that you have. Um, And and so I hope that you may be able to relate to some of these examples that I will be sharing with you shortly. 
and just understand that there is hope and there is an opportunity to find these profound levels of peace and equanimity on the other side of those experiences. So now a quick disclaimer, um, there's a lot that I'll want to cover here and I don't want to have this be a four or five, six hour podcast. So there will probably be some examples that I, I have to kind of gloss over. So uh, if after listening and there's there's anything that you'd like to learn more about or hear more about, feel free to, to send me a message either in our email or you can you can find me on Instagram and I'll leave some of the links in the show notes. Let's dive in a little bit here to some of my journey and, and again what I'm planning on, on focusing on is some of those breaking points where the, the pottery that is Dave was was dropped and, and broken and needing to be repaired. So it'll start with my childhood. I was born into what I would deem a pretty extreme evangelical Christian household. You know, the best way to describe how my parents viewed and, and I think probably still do to a degree their their religious beliefs is they would say that most other people in church aren't real Christians, right? That that there's some special requirement to, to actually meet the bill of, of real Christian. Yeah, so that was really formative in my initial upbringing and for the most part the my my childhood felt relatively normal through the lens of being in a pretty conservative christian household now the first real breaking point was what i often consider the the china saga of my life and i was just about a teenager i think this was when i was 12 or 13 or maybe 14 my parents sat us down and they informed us that we as a family would be moving overseas to China to become missionaries. And I wanted nothing to do with that. I resisted with every fiber of my being and I, I made sure that my parents were aware of, of my complete disinterest in that. And it led to a pretty big rift between me and my parents, uh, especially my dad. It ended up uh, after a span of several months, I think, um, through counseling and other sort of interventive uh, tactics, they ended up kind of getting their minds changed slightly and, and decided to delay their trip. But really, for me, the damage had been done with just a, a significant rift with my parents at a pretty sensitive age. Really, it started me down. Uh, it was a pretty tough path, and uh, obviously we'll get into that. But the where I where I ended up in that season of life was seeking the acceptance and validation that I really didn't feel anymore from my parents because of this significant rift. I ended up seeking it with friends and, and social groups, and I was very fortunate at the time to to find that and. Um, so I, I started to hang out with more and more people in high school and things like that. And um, really the the key solution there was, I found to be alcohol. And it, it really just helped me connect more and more with, with my peers. I emphasize that because I, I had no idea at the time, but alcohol became a very 
key ingredient to my whole spiritual journey. Uh, and, and really, it's been key in getting me to where I am today. And I'll talk more about that in just a minute. So <clears throat> between high school and college, relatively, I, I would think of myself as spiritually dormant. I wasn't really interested in it. I, I more or less went through the, the typical experience. So then we'll fast forward to the post-college years. And this was 2012. So that was actually, I'm recording this in 2022. So that was about 10 years ago. I look at the span of roughly 2012 to 2015 as some rock bottom years. A lot of times I've looked in the past and thought of different altercations or experiences as a rock bottom moment. But the more time that's passed, I look back on this this span of a few years and just see the whole thing as, as a rock bottom. And at the same time, I look at it as probably the most formative experience of my entire life. And I've always really been drawn to this quote by J.K. Rowling, the author of the Harry Potter series. She said, <clears throat> rock bottom became the solid foundation on which I rebuilt my life. For me, again, going back 2012, early in that time, I had started, started having dreams recurring dreams about being in an airplane that was starting to crash. And it wasn't until years later, like I'm talking uh, two years ago or so, if that, so several years later, it wasn't until then that I connected the dots that maybe there was some symbolism in this dream about what was happening in my life. It was actually some symbolism, but also some functionality because it, it gave me a very, um, significant flight anxiety and I had been working in a job uh, in college and then out of college that had me traveling quite a bit and in, in airplanes and so I would end up to, to ease the flight anxiety it would just be a an opportunity for me to further my uh, usage of an attachment to alcohol that had kind of plagued me a bit through college, but just kind of progressively getting worse in my post-college years. So yeah, the, the airplane really was a, a symbol of, of that, that window in my life. And yeah, so 2012, I ended up leaving college. Um, and then I, at the same time, I broke up with my long-term girlfriend I moved into a, a pseudo apartment at my grandmother's house to save some money. And yeah, so, so life was changing drastically that year. And then at the end of 2012 is the moment where the plane fully crashed in my life. I got a DUI uh, in December of 2012. And I, I was at a loss. I truly, I really didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to think. It was... It was just a really chaotic experience, and it, it ended up me not being able to drive for about a year. And really, as I look back, it, it was an opportunity to make some changes in my life to kind of wake up. But the reality is I didn't. I just further entered into a, a kind of a cloud of darkness for really a couple of years. So again, fast forwarding. 2013 was really mostly a blur. Again, wasn't able to drive, so I was feeling very isolated and ended up just furthering my attachment and utilization of alcohol to the degree that it 
you know, had become increasingly a problem in my life. And then by the summer of 2014 is when things really started to turn around and I started to make some radical changes and have some radical things start to happen to me. It was almost like 2013 and 2014, like things got really, really dark in my life. And by the the summer of 2014 is when it reached a point where I needed to find a light. And so between the summer of 2014 and actually the summer of 2015, I had three of what I refer to as spiritual awakenings. And I'll go into more detail about those in just a second. But the first thing I wanted to do is, is offer up a couple of definitions. Uh, I just want to, anyone listening, I want to be clear about some of these words because I know they can mean different things to different people. And so the first two words I want to define are God and spiritual awakening because I'll, I'll start talking about those things a bit more here. And God could mean so many different things to different people. And truly to me at that time, I had this conception of God more so as the, the typical Christian God in the sky kind of thing. God is external. And where I would define God now and as I reflect on my story, kind of how I think about it is I see God as this essence that transcends our human experience and is often understood to be as creating and as a creating and sustaining force or energy and spiritual awakening. Um, I'll give a more technical definition here. And that is, it is a subjective experience in which an individual's ego transcends their ordinary finite sense of self to encompass a wider infinite sense of truth or reality. Uh, now that's a definition I just pulled offline, but it, it was so good and so fitting. So really, really um, connects with, with all of the spiritual awakenings that I've had in my life. <clears throat> so moving on uh, now to the, that experience in the summer of 2014, really what happened is I, I reached a rock bottom with my struggle with alcohol um, to the point where I just I knew that I needed something. Like I said earlier, I knew I needed to find a light to help me. And as I look back, there were really a couple of the the, the steps of AA, uh, the recovery program, Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, there's this 12 steps within that program and, and similar with other recovery programs. I, in that moment, I went through the first two steps. And the first step is, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol and that our lives had become unmanageable. And then the second step is that we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. And really those, those two things happened within my, my mind, my experience, kind of all together in this moment in summer of 2014. And it was as though by my making those realizations, those decisions, I, I went through this spiritual awakening where there was this ineffable experience of something greater than myself. It wasn't a fabricated experience. It wasn't anything. I didn't, I didn't know any of these things. I didn't know what the 12 steps were. I didn't know what these two steps were when this was happening. 
But as I look back, that's absolutely what happened. And um, really that experience of just becoming aware without any doubts or questions about some element of a transcendent reality beyond my day-to-day experience completely transformed where I was going with my life and became really one of the building blocks that has brought me to where I am today. So again, that theme of this this brokenness leading to, um, to good things coming out of it. And so the next thing that happened, this would have been the spring of 2015. So, you know, about nine months or so later, I had been making some improvements in my life, but still not very good. Uh, you know, I had this rock bottom moment and, and big spiritual experience. But uh, if you've ever met somebody in uh, recovery from substance use, unfortunately, it's usually not that easy. It's uh, it, it takes more time than that. And and <clears throat> some levels of relapse and, and going back to it are, are fairly common, unfortunately. And so in my case, the spring of 2015, there was um, I had gotten back to um drinking more and and just ended up having some bad experiences and in this experience specifically I ended up having one of the well I don't want to say one of the I ended up having a panic attack which was one of the scariest experiences of my life and uh, if you're unfamiliar if you've never had a panic attack the best way I can describe it is this feeling of dread and fear that you are going to die. And so I was having this experience in, and I was living by myself at the time. I had moved into an apartment and I didn't know what to do. My heart was racing. Um, I didn't want to call anybody because I didn't want to like make a big deal about it. Um, I thought, oh man, I might need to go to the hospital, but I'm like, oh, maybe I'm just being dramatic. It was just uh, kind of a, a tough situation. And what I ended up doing was I got into bargaining mode. I realized that, again, I needed help from God. I had kind of wavered after that big experience uh, in 2015, but I knew again that I needed help. And so I bargained and I, and I kind of cried out to God as I understood God at the time. And I said something along the lines of, look, if you help me through this situation, I will turn my life around and I will clean things up and I will start to be a good Christian man. Uh, Because again, my conception of God was that Christianity was the path just based upon how how I was raised. And uh, amazingly, after I did that, I I started to feel better uh, pretty quickly. It It was pretty miraculous. And, and as I reflect on that experience, this was really um, the third step now of, of AA. And again, I had no idea at the time. I wasn't familiar with it. But uh, the third step is that you made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. And so that's what I did. And, and that was a really a big turning point in my life to actually start making some changes and sustainable changes. So um, that summer, so summer of 2015, I really cleaned things up with my physical health, with my mental health, with my spiritual health, uh, things like I, I sobered up. So 
again, going back to the spring of 2015, with, with some exceptions, some little blips on the radar, I have been sober since then. And other things that I did, I started to eat better and exercise better almost immediately. And, and within a few months, I had lost a pretty good amount of weight. And I started seeing a therapist. Uh, I actually found a, a really good therapist at one of the local Christian counseling centers and uh, was actually a very formative experience that helped me a lot to kind of integrate into this new season of my life that I, I sensed that I was entering. And so now moving on to the summer of 2015 was, again, one of the most significant spiritual awakening experiences that I've had in my life. And at this point, it was unrelated to alcohol. So I was kind of grateful to be moving away from that. <clears throat> but in this season, I had started dating. And um, this, this girl and I had been dating for a few months. And I was interested in moving forward and, and making something official out of the relationship. Um, but I had also been very candid with her about some of my struggles over the last few years. And so I, I fully understood that if it wasn't sort of that baggage that she wanted to take on in that season of life. So we had the conversation and, and, you know, it was clear that she had her, her reservations, but she wanted to think about it. And, and we agreed we'd take about a week or so. I'd give her kind of a week to, to think it over and, and let me know. And it ended up being a very, very stressful and anxiety ridden uh, week for me. And by towards the end of that week, it was going into Saturday. I, I got to this point where I'm like, you know what? I need to let go of this. I, this is, I can't handle this anxious rumination anymore. I have to let go. And so I did on that Saturday, I made the commitment. Anytime thoughts about this come up, I am going to think about something else. And I did that over and over again, and it, it turned out to be a pretty good day. And then fast forward to the next day, which was Sunday. That is the day where the significant experience happened. Uh, I started attending this, this nearby local Christian church, evangelical church, and went to the service and don't really remember hardly anything about it, but I'll never forget the drive home. And the drive home, um, I, I don't know what came on other than my I've always suspected that it ties to my letting go of those those really anxious thought patterns from the prior day but I had this overwhelming wave of recognition of some sort of divine communication that said you are loved I felt this divine love that truly transcended anything I'd ever felt or experienced. And it was this eternal sensation that I had always been loved, that was always available to me, but I had just never been able to feel it or experience it. And this whole thing happened and lasted maybe five, 10 minutes in my car as I'm driving home. And by the time I get home, I have to just stop and sit in the car. And I just have tears streaming down my face from, from just how profound and beautiful this experience was. And later that afternoon, I, I, I get 
uh, connect with uh, the girl I had been dating, and turns out that she did not want to uh, go any further with me. So that was really disappointing, and frankly, it was hard to swallow. But I was so grateful to have gone through that really powerful spiritual awakening experience that same day, and so I was able to much more easily take it in stride. So then, um, again, we're still in 2015, and that's the that's the end of my big spiritual awakenings for, for a little while. But then the fall of 2015 was where a lot of the solidifying events of my life transformation happened. So, you know, the year of 2015 was very transformative. And then the solidification of that transformation started to happen in the fall. So the first thing I ended up connecting in a small group at, at the church that I had been attending and I was overwhelmed by how amazing this experience was. I mean, it was it was led by uh, a woman. It was a, a, a co-ed singles group. And it was led by a woman who was just so on fire for her faith and for God and, and all of that. And then there were some really great other, other um, people in the group, uh, of which I am still close friends with, with many of them. And... Yeah, it just it helped me experience this connection with others on a deep level that I think up until then I had never really experienced, if I'm being completely honest. Um, so really, really formative, and it got me on fire really for connecting with others. Um, I, honestly, I, I maybe I got hooked on it. I got addicted to connecting with others in a deep way. Um, really, really cool stuff. And then the other uh, really significant event that happened fall of 2015 uh, and another cool kind of surrender experiment thing uh, as I look back on it was with my dating life. So after the the situation with the girl um, sort of dumping me, I went on to date and it was very stressful. I mean, anyone out there who's, who's done the dating thing as an adult they you you probably know what I'm talking about it it is not fun um very vulnerable and just yeah just not a fun position to be in and I just wasn't really enjoying it and again dealing with stress and anxiety I reached a point similar to the prior where I was like you know what I am worrying too much about this I have to just let it go and I reached a point where I said you know what? I am okay with whatever happens. I trust that things will work out for my good, no matter what. Um, even if that means I never end up getting married, if I stay single my entire life, I really reached that point where I was just like, you know, I am okay with whatever happens. And as fate seems to work out sometimes when we when we reach these these big surrender moments, it was probably two to three weeks later that I, uh, through that group that I had been connected in, I was introduced to my my wife, uh, to Liz, who we've actually been married now a little over five years. So, um, so yeah, that what a what a formative season that was in fall of 2015, where I first connected in this really really good community, and I met Liz, my wife, and uh, now happily married. So <clears throat> moving along now, um, the next few years, so 2016 and, and 2017, 2018, uh, were really years where I was just getting 
more and more immersed into my church. Um, as I alluded to earlier, I was really blessed by some excellent small group community, and I just wanted to be more and more involved, not only for myself, but to to help others find that same level of connection. And so my time, those few years were spent being involved in groups, facilitating groups, starting groups, serving on committees, and again, just really pouring my heart and soul into the church because of how meaningful it had been to me. And I was really on the path to um, becoming, you know, really a, a pillar in the church um, and wanting to be one that could be seen to help wherever wherever it was needed, and especially with my passions that were community. And it was all going really well until it wasn't. Um, and that was what started in 2019. So 2019 is when my church started to do this really big study called Explore God. And if you haven't heard of it, it's a it's an apologetic study where they go through the, quote, seven big questions and things like, does life have a purpose? Is there a God? Why does God allow pain and suffering? Is Jesus really God? Things like that. So again, uh, very God-focused and very Christian theology-focused. And uh, it was a really big push for my church because it was a good opportunity to bring in um, new people to the church, which, you know, churches, as as most churches do, they seem to always want to be growing and, and um, bringing in new new believers if they can. So there was a push to, to start new groups, new discussion groups, and they were struggling to find new groups. So being the the one that was so passionate about community, I decided to raise my hand and um, volunteered to start two new groups. So I was, during this discussion season for this study, I was actually involved in four different discussion groups about these big questions. And it's so funny because I, I was going into it thinking like, oh yeah, this will be great. I, I have no problems. I have, I have tremendous faith. Um, and I had no idea the, the struggles that would come, which, which I'll touch on that in just a second. But it was, it was interesting. I, I had, um, and I still do have an abundance of faith when it comes to there being a, a higher power, a transcendent dimension, that, that there is more to life than, than our human experience is limited by. But when it came to faith about specific doctrines um that's that's what came into challenge in this season and so there were a couple of big cracks that happened first just given some conversations that i had been having in those groups there was actually uh one guy who uh really would would challenge a lot of the questions and it was clear that he had some progressive views and he would consistently bring up this guy who I'd never heard of by the name of Richard Rohr. <laughs> if you listen to this podcast, you've almost certainly heard the name Richard Rohr by now. Um, but I had never heard of the guy, uh, but but this guy in my group kept kept mentioning him. So I was curious and I, I looked up some videos of him on YouTube and I was like, eh, 
I don't know about this guy. He Something didn't seem right. But at the same time, I was very drawn to what he was saying. So there was this part of me that was reluctant because the things that he said might be heretical. Um, and yet, I, I, like I said, I was drawn to him. And so going through that, that big apologetic study really caused me to question the core theology. And the, the big ones especially were things like heaven and hell. You know, I struggled with this concept that a loving God would create an environment in which people would be sent to hell to suffer for all of eternity. It's just something that I had thought about in the past, but for some reason in this season of life, I started to wake up to this reality of like, whoa, this, uh, I don't, this doesn't resonate. This doesn't connect for me. Anymore. I just don't see how that would work. Uh, so that was a, one of the big dominoes. And the other one was um, just the exclusivity that is so often espoused by Christianity and frankly, other conservative religion. But yeah, that exclusiveness. I, I remember thinking like, I just, I, I there's God, I, the God that I've encountered um, and experienced, I don't see being limited to just this Christian path. What about all the other people out there who are genuinely pursuing this God path, the spiritual path? What about them? I couldn't imagine a scenario in which they were just downright wrong about their path and therefore damned. Uh, <clears throat> I just couldn't reconcile that anymore. And so uh, that was really the, the start of my deconstructing out of this evangelical Christianity that I had been so deeply uh, involved in for the last several years. And kind of building off of that season, there were a couple other big things that happened. One of which was I started reading this book with one of my small groups. It was called The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. <clears throat> and uh, it was a powerful book. And really one of the underlying themes is Tozer encourages the reader to really desire to be in the presence of God deeply you know, well up that desire. And I, in that season, I was very drawn to that. I, I, I wanted to be closer to God. I wanted to experience God more directly. And I, so I really took what Tozer was teaching in that book to heart and I could sense it, it making some changes in me. And the next thing that happened right around that season, this was all, you know, early 2019, kind of like, January, February, March, that early few months, I started to get pretty depressed um, just based on different life circumstances, probably a little burned out from being so involved in, in church and uh, dealing with this, this faith deconstruction and so, just other things in life. I, I started to feel a little depressed. So I actually went to go see a counselor and I had had good success with this Christian counseling center. And so I figured I'd go see them. And I was so lucky that I happened to find a counselor who spoke my language. I mean, he, this counselor fully validated the um, theological changes that I was experiencing. Um, he just understood what I was going through, which again was a tremendous blessing because at a Christian counseling center, I don't think 
very many people are going to be able to validate what I was going through quite the same way that he was able to. And he actually also introduced me to, at the end of our first appointment, he says, hey, uh, by the way, have you ever read The Mystics? And at the time, I was like, uh, no, I, I really, if I'm being honest, I didn't even really know what mystics meant. <laughs> um, but I went and I Googled it and then I started learning, oh, there's this, this tradition within Christian, especially <clears throat> historical Christianity of mystical Christianity. And there's mysticism in, in other religions as well. And so I kind of opened up a whole new world. And the interesting thing is how much this connected with some of the other things that were happening where, you know, A.W. Tozer, for example, he was an evangelical for sure, but he actually got criticism during his life for being a little bit too mystical. <laughs> um, and, and as I went back and looked at his book several months later after having read it, I noticed several mentions of these different Christian mystics that throughout history, people like St. John of the Cross and Teresa of Avila and Meister Eckhart. So, uh, and then the other connection was in this small group, the guy that kept mentioning Richard Rohr. If you know anything about Richard Rohr's work, he is very mystical in his teaching. And, you know, he would, he would solidly land in that school of, of mystical Christianity, Christian mysticism. So interestingly, after all of those kind of things connected, I ended up having what was probably the most significant experience, the most significant spiritual awakening of my life. Um, I don't remember the exact time, but it was right around that time that I had been reading this book and learning more about the mystics and you know, really pursuing hard after God, as far as I understood God at the time. It was interesting because again, at the time, I didn't know what mystical experiences were. I'm, I'm, I'm putting words to these, these experiences all well after the fact. But if I were to define that experience, the, the first thing that came to mind was wordless, it, it, that the experience just could not be put into words. But when I would try to define it with words, the best metaphor I could think of is the, the veil being torn. I had this experience where it really felt like the veil that was separating my ego, finite human experience between that and this transcendent reality where everything is interconnected and it is all there's this unity and this oneness in all things, that veil was lifted. And every moment that I was experiencing was that. I was experiencing this sense that everything was one. And there was truly no separation between me, between you, between any of the billions of people, between any of the trillions of animals, between the stars. It was all one thing. And again, this is all happening when I, I really didn't know that that was a thing. <laughs> uh, I wasn't aware of mystical experience. I wasn't even really aware of psychedelic experiences. So it's just all these words and concepts that I've learned now over the last few years to apply to that experience.
so yeah, 2019 uh, was was extremely formative um, in having that mystical encounter and really just permanently transforming the way in which I view pretty much everything. I mean, the way in which I view faith and spirituality for sure. But um, but yeah, pretty much everything had changed when I when I had had that experience. So then moving on to what I would deem as the next big breaking point in my life was in 2020. Uh, and it, I'm, funny enough, it's not really related to COVID, <laughs> even though I know, you know, 2020 was the year that, that COVID hit us. But yeah, so 2020, COVID hit in March of that year and, or well, it, it really blew up in March, right? And interestingly enough, it was right around the same time that my wife Liz and I had kids. We, we actually ha- uh, welcomed our twins into the world. We were fortunate to have a totally normal hospital experience. No lockdowns or anything. It was literally the week before everything started to lock down. So, so we were very fortunate. So the first half or so of 2020 was really just getting used to being parents and, you know, dealing with COVID and just trying to, to figure out what life looks like uh, in that environment. And, and then come summer and fall of 2020 is when things really started to get difficult in my life. And what happened is all that time I had still been involved with my church, knowing that my belief system had changed so drastically uh, I had slowly but surely been making strides to step out of any sort of leadership or roles of influence, just knowing that it wasn't really appropriate for me to to not be believing the same things, but still in those types of positions. So slowly but surely was, was seeing myself out of those, um, but still really valued the community and the friendships that I had formed, the deep bonds that I had formed. So in the summer of 2020 is when I first started to subtly go public with my faith deconstruction. And the first thing I did was I I started a blog. I always knew that I had wanted to write. And so I started a blog and very subtly uh, shared some of my unorthodox views of faith and spirituality. And again, very subtle, very indirect. There wasn't any sort of like big, bold proclamation. But then over the next, you know, month or two months, I started to have conversations with friends about it and just kind of come out of the closet, so to speak, about, hey, you know, I know we have this really awesome connection um, through this church, but I just want to let you know that this big thing has been going on with me. Um, and I actually no longer believe the same things that, that really our church stands for. Um, so very difficult conversations and, you know, varying degrees of receptivity. And in this whole process, there were a couple of key moments where I just felt heartbroken. Uh, one of which was, uh, I actually had a mentor that I had, I had opened up to and a day or two later, I, I find out that mentor had, seemingly inadvertently or unintentionally started to tell others about what I was going through. So then word 
unfortunately started to spread uh, amongst the people that we knew in the church about, uh, oh, apparently Dave's no longer a Christian, and it became this whole big thing, and so that was that was really um, hard hard to deal with. And then the next thing, I realized after a while that it, it would be maybe most effective to to write out what I was experiencing because it was just really hard to put into words, especially at the time. And so for one of my groups, I wrote a letter, kind of put it all out there. And then within the next week or so, after having shared this letter with a group, I start getting emails from uh, the secretary of the pastor at the church. And it was very vague at first, but uh, after a few back and forth via email, I, I find that they were interested in talking to me about the letter that I sent. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the, the letter had been leaked by somebody in the group to the church, and uh, now it was this whole big thing. And uh, I just, I honestly, I felt just so crushed in that experience. And it really, that was kind of the, the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak. Well, I don't know if I would call it a straw, but it broke the camel's back in terms of my involvement with that church. And really, yeah, it just was really hard and it, it led to, you know, kind of a, me leaving the church more, more rapidly than I would have wanted, than I had hoped to do. And unfortunately, just a lot of the relationships that I had had with that church, as I know is so common in this deconstruction community, they just kind of fizzled. I mean, I've, I've maintained some of the friendships, I'm grateful to say, but, but by and large, uh, once... It's almost as though like once it became known that I was no longer on the same, quote, team uh, in, in terms of the Christian belief system that the, that the church had, their statement of faith, um, a lot of those connections just fizzled. So that was that experience. And the next big one happened um, about six months later, so, so not too far later. But another really, really big breaking point in my life. Oh, and you know, one thing I'll add that was actually kind of a neat thing that came out. So, you know, when I sort of exited that church um, within about a week or two, knowing that it was so valuable for me to have good community, I actually formed an online Zoom group with a handful of of guys um, that I knew were in a similar boat as me. And... Over time, the group has grown a little bit, and it's actually been a tremendous blessing um, to have. I mean, we meet basically every week, and we all are kind of in the same boat of having deconstructed out of the the traditional evangelical path. And so, yeah, it was really neat that looking back, um, that that really painful experience. Again, that's the common theme here: is that these painful experiences. But there is so often a silver lining to it, right? <clears throat> anyway, so so the next big breakage, and actually the, the last one here before we kind of get to, to where I'm sitting today, it actually is, was a breakage with family. Um, so if you remember, you know, going back to my early years with my, my parents, it was a not a great experience given the whole China saga and just a... a a breakage in that relationship that never fully healed. And now when I 
got really serious about my my faith in 2015, 2016, 2017, it was clear that there was almost like a repairing of the bond between me and my parents, especially me and my dad. Because it was suddenly like, oh, wow, now we have this this thing in common where we're both devout Christians and really uh, pursuing God in the same way. And so losing that that connection was difficult. And it's actually something that I alluded to it initially with them, but they were actually maybe some of the last people to find out the full extent of my deconstruction. And how it all happened was um, I had been writing on my blog and sharing some more um, details about my my spiritual journey and frankly some of the things that I'm um, sharing in this you know I had some kind of awkward email exchanges after one of my one of my blog posts I had some awkward email exchanges with my dad and you know one thing led to another and then there was a, a an email that he sent with really just a lot of hellfire and brimstone and for whatever reason and maybe it was 20 years of um, unresolved tension uh, it just really struck a chord and I, I got really upset. And so things got fairly heated um, between me and my, my parents. And it, it just was a, a very, unfortunately, a very negative experience. What came out of it is, you know, them saying things like that they must be failed parents be, because I'm not a proper Christian, um, thinking that I'm possessed by an evil spirit to be acting the way that I act. And you know, obviously that, that I'm, I must be going to hell because, because I don't believe the same thing that they do anymore. And really, really tough. And the biggest part about that, as I've reflected on it, is that it was this sense that I had felt a validation and acceptance from my parents that suddenly in that moment felt like it was just gone. And it actually, something that arises is I go back to something that Karen said on one of our podcasts uh, a handful of episodes ago. She said, love is basically the same as acceptance. And in order to feel loved, we have to feel accepted. And this, so this whole experience where I, I really no longer felt accepted by my parents helped me to understand all of that a little bit more. Obviously a very painful, difficult experience, but also very enlightening to see and understand that psychological need that I had, that I had really wrestled with for the last 20 years, but just wasn't really aware of it. So again, really difficult experience, but liberating to just realize that I had this need and actually with the very vast sea of difference between where I was at and where I'm at now versus what is is incredibly important to, to my parents, it helped me to reach a point where I realized, oh, I, I have this need for acceptance and validation, but I think that I can go deeper within my my spiritual path and this inner value and worth that isn't based upon any one person or any one thing and it's just 
something that is inherent to every single one of us as we are all connected. So this whole experience uh, just pointed me further to that. And that is really the beauty that prevailed out of this otherwise very difficult experience. <clears throat> okay, and really that takes me to where we are today. You know, I'm sitting here at the beginning of 2022 and, and life goes on. You know, uh, as you can see, I've had some pretty tough moments in my life and, and I'm sure there will be more uh, to come. Knock on wood, not too many. But but again, even though these experiences were, were difficult and in some respects are still difficult to this very day as I as I share them, they're really some of the, the experiences that I'm the most grateful for in my life. You know, on the surface, they've given me things like wisdom and perspective and resilience, but really on a deeper level, um, they've just transformed the nature of my perceptions. These hardships often come across and, and can be categorized as what I think of as ego deaths, right? Where we reach the end of ourselves or the self that we think we are. If you uh, listen back a couple episodes ago where, where Karen and I talked about the big I and the little I, and we just often get illuminated to broader, more expansive views of reality when we are letting go of these. And what I have found is that what prevails more than anything else is this sense of primordial peace that absolutely nothing can penetrate. So to go back to the word that I opened up with, uh, kintsuji, so the analogy of gold and how gold is this filling that comes and repairs our brokenness to make us more beautiful. I think the best way to understand the gold, at least through my own journey, is peace. So as we are broken, the healing that comes is this peace that truly passes understanding. Now, the only breakdown I would say in the analogy is that this peace isn't something that comes externally and bonds onto us. To be more accurate, it is something that wells up from deep within us and radiates out. So another way to look at it would be we have these cracks in our exterior and those cracks allow for this inner light that is peace to shine through. And this peace, again, is really the most fundamental element of our being. And the more we let go of things like attachments, which, you know, in this story and is often the case those are forced on us through great suffering or loss. But the more we let go of those things, the, the more deeply we can tap into this peace. To wrap up, maybe you're going through a difficult season or maybe you're facing a potential difficult season in the future. I just hope that hearing this story and, and learning about some of the experiences that I've gone through, I just hope that it can provide a little bit of peace um, but also hope and, and assurance, um, really, that we don't often suffer in vain. There is almost always something to be gleaned from it. So I would just encourage you to look at these, whatever difficult life circumstances, and just see them as opportunities 
of letting go. What is it that you may be attached to in this experience that you may be being asked to let go of? And, you know, the good news is that as, as some of my examples in my story go, sometimes when we let go, we find that our circumstances are resolved or improved. But that's not always going to be the case. And the deeper thing and the deeper point to realize is that you find what is impermanent um, and you find that there is a lot of impermanent things in our lives that provide us with suffering. And the point through these experiences is to find what is permanent and step into that. And the more that we can find and focus on that which is permanent, the more we can find this deep peace and equanimity that absolutely prevails through any circumstances that life can throw at us. So with that, I thank you again for listening. I hope you found this helpful. And as always, um, if you have questions or if you'd like to hear more, please, please, please reach out. Um, You can send us an email at from believing to being at gmail.com or you can find us on Instagram. I'm at at dave.navertil. Uh, Karen is at inspired to faith and we'll, we can leave some links in the show notes. So yeah, please, please connect, reach out to us if you, if you want to talk about any of this stuff further. And again, as always, thank you for listening.